Do 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 the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, place yourself. Rangers are coming! Hi everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek, and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm very well, Derek. But we've got a lot to talk about. Two excellent games, and I'm sure you've got many other things to discuss on the plan tonight. Oh, I wonder what that could be, Dave. <laughs> exactly. I wonder what. Yeah, I mean, we must have shot the bed as well. That's two podcasts in in a week. You know. That's right, mate. I hear you can't say that we're not firing out the content. Yes, well, hopefully that's all we're firing out tonight. I see, trust you, mate. I don't know what that means. That's meant to mean, to be honest. Well, leave it to the imagination, Derek. <laughs> yes, we will. So, yes, we've got two games to cover. A great win against Hibs, and uh, I wouldn't say it was a great win against Wraith Rovers. It was perfunctory. It was uh, got the job done, but we'll get into that anyway. Yeah. So, we will go down the tunnel and onto the park. So the first game we've got to cover, as I said, is on Wednesday the 8th of March. It was a 4-1 win away against Hibs in the Premiership. Great game, Dave, wasn't it? Fantastic, Derek, and arguably, would you say the best performance under Michael Beale's reign? I would still say the, the Hearts game was just takes a lot to beat because we obviously did concede a goal and we obviously will get into that. But uh, I would say Hearts, but it's interesting that the two Edinburgh teams away have been the best performances this, this season so far. It, it, it definitely is, Derek, and especially Easter Road, which usually, you know, we, we always have a tough time there. But uh, as you're about to get into a fine performance. Yes, so it was an unchanged starting eleven from the Kilmarnock game. Obviously, we beat them in the of the previous game. There, good to get a, a bit of continuity because I don't think we've managed to do that this year. No, 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 we, we haven't, Derek. And you know, everyone's saying arguably at this moment in time, we fit players probably about our strongest starting eleven, maybe. Quite possibly, yeah. So we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Raskin, Jack, Cantwell, Sakala, Ken and Cholak. On the subs bench, we have McLaughlin, Lundstrom, Hadji, Kamara, Morelis, Wright, Matondo, Arfield and Devine. So, interesting Matondo on the bench. Yeah, that's right. That's his first sort of appearance. I'd kind of forgotten that we had him on our books, Derek. <laughs> Pretty much, aye. However... In the first half, it started off at a frantic pace, going end-to-end. Hibbs getting the early chances, right on the third minute as well. They had a great ball down the left into our box, a cross into the middle. Three unmarked attackers, however, they couldn't control it in a shot wide. That was early signs that we were going to be up against it, we thought, but it was just shocking marking again. It was just really bad, Derek. I was expecting the ball to end up in the back of the net at that stage, because again, we could all see it happening, but thankfully... The Hibs players weren't up to the task and, uh, you know, the ball managed to sail past. But an early fright 
Well, we certainly weren't as lucky as letting the ball sail past a few minutes later because in the eighth minute, Hibs made it 1-0. It was a long free kick into the back post. Nobody picking up the attacker who crosses into the middle and Goldson taps it in your net. Can he really blame Goldson in fairness? Uh, it was either going to him or the attacker who was going to knock it in, but just shocking marking all round, especially from that first play where it went right to the back post. And again, Derek, we've said it time and time again. We don't seem to heed the warnings, do we? We we, we get off, you know, with a, a, a you know really poor mark in one minute, and then concede the identical goal just seconds or, or, or minutes later. That's the annoying thing. We've seen it all season. That's that's goes crazy about it. However, on the tenth minute, Kent was brought down in the box, and nothing was given. Clearly, Kent was taken out. He got Kent's trailing leg. The play was eventually stopped. A lengthy VAR check. He goes to the screen. Penalty given. Yeah. Now, I'm glad VAR done the job there, but for the referee who was in clear sight of it oh. not to give that in the first place is nothing short of atrocious. As I said in the post-match, is it a case now that referees are a bit second-guessing themselves and they're just letting VAR pick it up because they know there's that get-out clause there? Derek, Ryan Kent was turned into Stretch Armstrong when he made that <laughs> tackle. His leg was so far pulled back. It was as blatant as you could possibly see. The referee was close by. I don't know what the hell he was thinking in the first instance not to immediately say it was a penalty. Thankfully, VAR picked it up and we got the penalty. If that had been last season or the season before, it would have been another blatant one that we didn't get. But thankfully, we did get it. Yes, and on the 12th minute, up steps Tavernier and made it one each. It was into the left side, the keeper dived the right way again, but just like the Kilmarnock penalty scored in the last game, just too accurate. Yeah, definitely. It was a well-taken penalty, Derek, and just glad to be back all level early on in the game. Yes, from there we started to be more in charge. Lots of shots, but little on target, unfortunately. And then we managed to get a second goal on the 34th minute with Cholak scoring. Raskin robs the defender at the halfway line. It falls to Kent, who plays a quick ball down the left side to Sakala, who takes it forward, looks up, crosses in, and Cholak flicks it in at close range. It was a great wee flick as well, but just great from Raskin initially to see that ball and manage to rob the defender. It was great play all round, Derek, to the, 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 the ball out and then the final ball in. And then uh, Cholak, you know, he was behind the two defenders, but sensing where the ball was going to go, nips in, in, in between, gets ahead of the first defender and manages to flick the ball in. A real poacher's instinct there to get the ball past the keeper and excellent to be up 2-1 at that stage. Yes, we kept on pressing on and, you know, I, I don't think there was much else that happened in the half, but we were by far, you know, on top. Cantwell and Sakala getting into absolutely everything. Really, really good to see there and a great, great half other than the first 10 minutes. Yeah, no, it was, Derek. We were absolutely all over them at that uh, at that point. The, the whole of the first half, as you, I'm glad that you mentioned Fashion Sakala because Hibs just couldn't get anywhere near him. Strange to see the formation that, that we were playing as well, Derek, where Fasha Sakala was on the left-hand side, Cholak was playing just to the right, and Ryan Kent was playing in the centre. Hibs had absolutely no reply to them whatsoever, those front three, they were, they were outstanding. 
Yep, absolutely. So into the second half, looking for more of the same, and we got it in spades. Yeah. A fantastic and relentless second half performance. We never let up. We got the two goals that we're looking, and we're still looking for more. And that is one of the things that we've been guilty of this season. Is yeah. when we've went a goal up, we've never really been looking for the second goal. Yeah, we've pressed on, we've tried to there, but we've never actually went all guns blazing like we did yeah. in this game and in the, the obviously the Hearts game as well. And we really pinned Hibs into their own 18-yard box, and that was really the, the the case of the whole half. We got an early goal on the second half on the 52nd minute, and it was Sakala that scored. Sakala puts the defender under pressure in the box, fortunately passed back to the keeper, who panicked, hits a first-time clearance, but only right to Ryan Jack, who heads it straight back to Sakala in the box, controls it, who are these back to goal, spins and shoots it past the keeper. That was sublime from Sakala there, because I thought he had taken the wrong decision. He turned the way he did. He should have just taken it first time in, in the other way, but no, Sakala was outstanding there, and this is what you get from him. You maybe get about 10 duff chances and then you get a one piece of magic like this. It was Michael Malls-esque, that <laughs> Derek. That's all, that's all I've got to say. We've not really seen Sakala do anything like that before, but you know, he, he'd made his mind up what he was going to do. He was going to hit it with his left foot. The way that his body was, he, he couldn't get a swing at it, but just the flowing movement of him turning round, the control was absolutely sublime and that what a tremendous finish by him. An absolutely fantastic goal by him, Derek. Really, really good and a great time for us to get the third. Yeah, and I think you've got to remember, he was the one that ultimately started that by putting the keeper under pressure in the first yeah. place. Yeah. So, but then, on six minutes later, we got our final goal, goal of the game. On the 58th minute, Cholak made it 4-1. It was a long ball from the right to the back post, headed down by Tavernier to Sakala, who passes to Kent, who passes to Sakala, who passes to Cholak, who shoots and deflected into the back of it. Slightly fortuitous. I don't care, though. You, they go in anyway, but ult- ultimately, a great all-round goal and once again, Sakala in the middle of it. Derek, and it was all in the Hibs box as well. That, that, that's the thing, you know, getting the ball. Hibs c- couldn't get near us. The ball ended up at Cholak. Now, Derek, he went for the shot. He went for that area. So, you know, regardless, I just think that the deflection maybe took the sting off the shot because I do think that that's where the ball was going to be ending up anyway. So, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic play and, you know, a great instinct to finish with Cholak. What a fantastic performance, Derek. Yes. 61st minute, he nearly scored again from a deflection because the ball was crossed in the middle from the left. Cholak in space, acres of space actually, it was kind of on par with our defending. He hit a shot and it was deflected out for the corner. Really unlucky that it was hit with pace. And it was goal-bound if, if the deflection never happened there. So unlucky that there. We did have the ball in the back of the net two minutes later on the 63rd minute. Sakala this time again. Uh, some great play down the right. Cross in, the, in from Tavernier and a volley from close range by Sakala. But Tavernier in that move had just strayed offside. Really unlucky from Sakala. Yeah. He's got a habit of scoring absolutely worldies when other people are offside. I know, Derek. It was. It was. It was a great fit. It was a great move as well. But looking back, he did see that Tavernier was just just offside there. So correct decision. We'll take it. Yes. 72nd minute, Hibbs' only real chance of the game, I think. They tried to chip McGregor from the edge of the box, but it went wide. 77th minute, a quintuple substitution. Never seen that before in my puff, Dave. No, it's, uh, he's, he's getting. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking. I'll be talking about it in the next game as well. I think, but maybe a, a triple substitution. But, but like you said, it's uh, 
it's ha- uh, especially in a league game, Derek, for, for that to happen. But it shows you that we were absolutely cruising at that stage. Kent, Cholak, Cantwell, Sakala and Raskinov, Morelos, <laughs> Lundstrom, Arfield, Wright and Hadjion. It was bad enough for me to write down. I think the RTV guys had a, a big yeah. handful as well. 82nd minute, Hadji with a shot from 20 yards. It was on target, made the keeper make a comfortable dive and save. And that was what rounded out the game. So, relentless performance, as I said. Delighted with that. And uh, three points and up the road. Absolutely brilliant, Derek. You know, we, we, we would have taken a dodgy 1-0, but uh, the whole performance was fantastic. Uh, I read a lot of reports, and that's why I said I asked you at the start, Derek, is it arguably our best performance? Because a lot of people said after I, w- I was reading the game that they thought that that was the case. But you know, regardless, that's you know two fantastic performances that we've had at Edinburgh, you know, in a short space of each other. And again, it just it just really annoys me to think that this new uh, midfield that he's put in with Raskin and Cantwell. And, you know, whoever, Jack, who was absolutely outstanding, I have to say, I thought Ryan Jack was immense. But whether it's him or whether it's uh, Lundstrom, whoever, you know, that team really should have played against Celtic. And it still annoys me, the fact <laughs> that, 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 that it didn't, Derek. But we need to let it go. But, no, tremendous performance, Derek. Really, really pleased with that. Yes. So the next game we've got to cover is Sunday the 12th of March. It was a 3-0 win at home to Rafe Rovers in the Scottish Cup quarterfinal. Dave, you managed to watch this one live. I've since watched it back. I'll let you take the reins on this one. Certainly did, Derek. It was uh, a pretty similar team that Michael Beale put out. I mean, I think a lot of people maybe expected... Hadji maybe suited to play from the start in this game, but he didn't. He only really made one change from that last game, and that was to bring in John Lundstrom for Ryan Jacks. The team he put out was McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, Lundstrom, Raskin, Cantwell, Fashion Junior, Kent and Cholak on the bench. McLaughlin, Rudvan, Hadji, Jack, Suter, Kamara, Morelos, Right and Arfield. So Derek, straight away, looking at that substitutes bench, that's what we are looking for now. That's a, that's the sort of strength that we're looking for. Players coming back from injury, very very strong bench there for us. So as, as the game started off, Derek, I think we were expecting Rangers to you know get get into their stride straight away, but it was actually Wraith Rovers who had the first real chance. And the guy was really unlucky. It was away in the, the second minute. Wraith managed to pick the ball up just inside their own half. And the big Wraith Rover striker saw that Alan McGregor was way off his line and thought that he would try and do a Kamar roof and chip <laughs> him for the halfway line. Thankfully for us, Derek, it was past the post, but it was certainly at the right height. It wasn't too far, far away, so... You've got to say the guy was unlucky there and a bit of a a let-off for us early on in the game. But Rangers started to get a foothold in the match and the first real chance that we had was on the 10th minute when James Tavernier latches onto a ball inside the box and he thunders a close-range shot straight at the goalkeeper, but he hit it with some venom and it was a great save by the Wraith goalkeeper to put it out. Three minutes later... A corner for Rangers, Borna Barisic on the left, flicks the ball into the box and Connor Goldson with a powerful header, but again, straight at the Wraith goalkeeper who managed to palm the ball and the defender cleared it away, so really unlucky there that we didn't manage to score. 
And nineteenth minute, I've said his name a lot. I'll, I'll say his name a lot in this game. But Barisic again on the left, he crosses the ball to Antonio Cholak. The keeper manages to punch it away just in front of Cholak, but it was a phenomenal cross. I thought that Cholak had, had got the head to it. There was a wee VAR check for a possible foul on Fashion Sakal as well, but nothing given. And Wraith survived that one again. But after that, it was a wee bit messy. Got to say, Derek, wasn't it? It was a quite a lot of really hard fouls going in that were going unpunished by the referee, which I thought I should highlight, especially on Todd Cantwell. There was a lot of fouls on him, hard ones. I thought the referee should have been bringing back and at least speaking to the the, the midfielders that were making the tackles, but nothing. Ryan Kent also got chopped in half as well, and the referee just kept running also. So really disappointed there, but a pretty uneventful next sort of 20 minutes Plenty of possession for Rangers, but no real chances. But thankfully, on the 41st minute, Rangers got the goal. And it was a corner again from Borna Barisic. And I mentioned it just a minute ago. He almost scored, but he did it this time. Uh, Connor Goldson with a bullet header. Fantastic. Sending the ball into the back of the net and past the goalkeeper, Derek. Beautiful header. It's what we've been wanting all this time from our set pieces. It's been few and far between this year, but thankfully got it this time. Yep, fantastic. And that's how the first half ended, Derek. So plenty of possession, not that many chances, but certainly we were by, you know, we were really comfortable going in 1-0 at half time. You know, pretty happy with that. We knew that Rafe would put up a hard uh, first half for us, but just glad to be going in 1-0 at half time. So into the second half. Rangers again trying to uh, end the game quickly and we came out the traps very quickly. 55th minute, another corner from Borna Barisic lands at the feet of James Tavernier in the box. He shoots, bit of a strange one, hits the defender and it deflects off the defender onto the post and then out for a corner. A bit bizarre there. And then just two minutes after that, we got the second goal, which really saw the game off for us, let's be perfectly honest. And it was a very, very fortuitous. James Tavernier on the right-hand side, on the wing, puts in half-decent half cross, Derek, not really anyone. Thankfully, though, the Wraith defender... He tried to slice the ball away, made a complete backside of it, and the ball ended up past his own goalkeeper into the back of the net, and that made it 2-0. I'll take it any which way it comes. I don't care. I've always said that. Exactly. And then the substitution started after that. 66th minute, Sakala, Barisic and Goldson all off Arfield, Suter and Ridvan on. So fantastic to see Ridvan and Suter back in the team getting some game time there, you know, still with about 25 minutes to go. But then on the 69th minute, one of the actual best pieces of play of the game, unfortunately it wasn't for Rangers, it was actually for Wraith. It was fantastic link-up play. I'll, I'll, I'll give them their dues, Derek. On the, on the left-hand side, involving three of their players, all one-touch football, and it ended up with their player being played through. One-and-one one with Alan McGregor. Hits the shot. McGregor manages to palm the ball away. Thankfully, felt with James Tavernier who was able to clear the ball away from danger. Still 2-0 to Rangers at that point. And then, but a minute after that, as soon as we got it cleared, the ball fell to Ridvan and it's the first time that we really saw 
anything from him. Racing down the left wing, he put in a fantastic low cross to Scott Arfield, who shoots a fantastic save by the goalkeeper. Really unlucky there to keep it 2-0. And then on the 78th minute, another two subs made. Kent and Cholak, who the both of them had had very quiet games. Derek, I don't know if, 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 if you noticed that. I think we were expecting something from the two of them, considering how well they played against Tibbs, but not really much for, for Cholak to, to feed off at all. And Kent, very quiet. Alfredo Morelos and Ines Hadji on. And then, uh, to put the icing on the cake, the 88th minute, we got the third goal. And it was probably the best move of the game from Rangers. Ines Hadji on the ball on the, the right-hand side. He sees Cantwell inside the box. There's a couple of Wraith players uh, next to him, but he plays a phenomenal through ball to Todd Cantwell. Cantwell sort of skips to get on his left foot thinking that he's going to have a shot, but unselfishly, he just passes the ball to the left-hand side to a completely unmarked Scott Arfield, who just slots the ball past the goalkeeper. Fantastic play by Rangers all round, and that sealed the game for us, Derek. Excellent goal. Yes, just great vision and great work all round. Yep, and the only chance after that, right at the end of the game, 91st minute, and it was a chance for Raskin, Inside the box, he had a close-range shot at the near post, but another excellent save by the Wraith goalkeeper. But that is how the game finished, Derek. 3-0. Can't say it was a phenomenal performance, but it's exactly what we were looking for. It was a cup game. We were looking to get out of that game comfortably, which we did. Not uh, No injuries picked up and safely through to the semi-finals. What did you make of that? I just think sometimes that People, when they see, oh, we get a lower division team, you see people making predictions, 5, 6, 7, 8, 0, whatever, and it's never going to be the case, and it never normally works out that way, because it's ultimately their cup final, they're going to be trying their, their heart out for it, and generally, they know that they can't go toe-to-toe with us, because they'll get absolutely obliterated, they know... They play the low block. It's going to make life very difficult for us. So there has to be a bit of patience with with us in terms of the fan base. I think to get out there with a 3-0 victory, a clean sheet, go through to the next round, that's all you can ask for. A cup tie is win by any means necessary. If it is an ugly win, it's an ugly win. This wasn't really an ugly win. We were fully in control bar those two moments. Uh, it was a great piece of skill in the second half as well and, and it just shows you if they tried that a wee bit more, might, they might have got something off it, out of the game but I'm just delighted to get through to the next round. Yeah, I, I think the only t- talking point I've got from it, Derek, and I, I mentioned his name loads of times and I've actually thought he had an excellent game is Bob Borna Barisic. He put in a, a number of really good crosses in, into the box and again, it's just frustrating that we're not getting enough people getting on the end of these uh, crosses that we put in because that's the style of play that, that we are. To, you know that, that that we're used to pushing the fullbacks on to try and get a decent ball in, into the box, but just a bit frustrating that we we don't have any, anybody else in there. I realise that, that that Cholak was playing up front on his own, but there doesn't seem to be anybody just getting in behind him just to try and feed off any knockdowns or you know trying to get the seconds run in to get on the end of these crosses. It's maybe something that they are needing to work on. Quite possibly, but that's nothing new, is it? Yeah. So into the next round. And lo and behold, who did we get drawn against on the, the Monday? Celtic in the semi-final. Yeah. I did put out a tweet. We've got a better record against them in the semi-finals than finals of, of late. So is it a bad thing? Probably not. 
Derek, we were going to have to face them at some point. As you say, semi-finals, I think, not even re- recently, but going over the years, we've had a, a, a good record against them over the years. And I just hope and pray that he puts our strongest team out against them th- this time. Don't think about matching them or trying to stop them play, but actually putting a team out so that we can go out and play. So I really hope that Michael Beale's learnt his lesson there and it's the strongest Rangers team that he puts out, a Rangers team that's going to go out and win and play at our strengths rather than their strengths. Yeah, I mean, it's what six, five and a half, six weeks away, so we'll potentially have maybe a wee bit more back in terms of injuries if there's anybody still out there to strengthen the bench. The Raskin and Cantwell will have had another six weeks worth of play together, so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. If we, As you said, if we play to our strengths, I think we can beat them, but we shouldn't be fear to them. And that's the big thing. We shouldn't outthink, try and be smart about things. Play to our strengths exactly. and we, we can overcome them. Exactly. So that leaves us in the table. Played 28-1-22, drawn four, lost two, scored 68, conceded 25, goal difference plus 43 and on 70 points. Still nine behind Celtic. Clawed back one goal over them, but it's only still a 27 goal difference adrift from them. So, hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that isn't it I know however we go into the next game Saturday the 18th of March away against Motherwell in the Premiership that's a 12.30 kickoff. Saturday the 1st of April at home against Dundee United in the Premiership that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Saturday the 8th of April that's away against Celtic in the Premiership that's a 12.30 kickoff. Saturday the 15th of April at home against St Mirren in the Premiership that's a 1500 kickoff. then it's Saturday the 22nd of April away against Aberdeen in the Premiership that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Off. And then the big one, Saturday the 29th or Sunday the 30th of April at Hamden against Celtic in the semi-final. All looks uh, pointing towards our Sunday kickoff, doesn't it, unfortunately? Which is going to be a pain in the arse because the Inverness game the day before will have cut up the park, no doubt. Probably, Derek. I'm being totally selfish here. I'm working on the Saturday. I'm off on the Sunday. So for a purely selfish reasons, I'm hoping it's a Sunday. Well, it's all about you, Dave, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. I'm, I'm glad we agree on that, Derek. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a massive run of games. You know, you've got to think that if we can get through the Motherwell-Dundee United game, if we can win against the Celtic game, that might put a bit of a psychological advantage against uh, against them. However, it might backfire as well at the same time. If you think that if we go out and, and win against Celtic that way, they know they've got to win the next game. So it could work either way, that one, couldn't it? It usually going again by yeah, history, Derek, and, and games. Usually, usually, it's the team that, that usually goes out and wins the both games here. You know, it's, that's usually how it ends up. So we just have to hope for a good performance at Park Parkhead, and then you know treat the final completely different. Who knows what uh, players? It'll just like what you said that we're going to have back, and again, just have, have to hope that we play to our strengths. Absolutely. So we'll go into the news.
So, a few bits and pieces to cover, and it's all going to be really fan-based, isn't it, this time, Dave? Yeah. So, before the Hibs game, there was issues with our fans entering the stadium. Extended searches were, were happening by stewards and the police, resulting in some missing the start of the game, as well as police horses being deployed with resulting crushing, which is just uh, it's abysmal. Not the first time this season that our away fans have been treated this way. It's 2023. Fans shouldn't be having to face this. Safety is paramount, but it seems that authorities have created an unsafe environment in this case. Once again, another example of football fans being treated completely differently because yep. you don't see these same searches happening at the rugby at Murrayfield at the weekend, do you? Definitely don't, no. I mean, it leads to into the, the reluctance of the football and authorities, the police, the government to discuss things like safe flares, which came up again with uh, the, the union bears lighting flares at the game and, and certain pyros. And really, the easing of draconian restrictions placed on football fans, such as alcohol bans, we've been through this time and time again, and understand the reasons for not wanting to alleviate these type of issues, because it might cause other issues, but if you don't try it, you've tried everything else, it's not worked, people are still drinking, people are still taking flares into stadiums, let's try and accommodate fans and actually treat them like human beings. Rangers haven't been very vocal on this, I believe, uh, that the whole issue is outside the stadium, but apparently there was communication about get if you had issues outside the stadium, email the SLO and they'll look into it because they're going to compile something to send to Hibs and uh, the authorities as well. Rangers, this is part of their issue as well. They need to be on the front foot and be more, more vocal about this. If it wasn't for another podcast, I would have never have known that Rangers were doing this. Yeah, that's true, Derek. Yep, 100%. So that's something that needs to be looked into. Yep. Next thing here, I did mention the Union Bears. Now, this is going to cause a, a, a lot of issues here because they ended up boycotting the Wraith game because they weren't allowed to take their banner in. Now, they released a statement when the game was going on, I believe. Union Bears had planned to display various legitimate message banners at today's match, highlighting different issues surrounding our club and support. Prior to the match, Police Scotland and Rangers FC jointly removed these materials without our knowledge and blocked access to regular matchday materials. From Rangers FC, this is a clear breakdown of trust and an attempt to silence our groups and valid concerns. As a consequence, we made the difficult decision to remove active support and not enter the ground as a group. This attempt to suppress the feelings amongst the Rangers support will not be successful and only stands to confirm the concerns that the fans hold. Union bears no surrender. Then Rangers, after the game, released another statement to basically counter that, yep. saying that Rangers refused to allow an offensive banner relating to the police service to be displayed at today's match. The Union Bears elected to absent themselves from the stadium because the club would not permit these offensive anti-police banner display. And then it's later on that day, it's now transpired that the, the, the actual offensive banner, which Union Bears in their statement failed to mention, was a police officer mocked up as a pig alongside 1312, which is an alternative to the ACAB slogan. Then the Union Bears, I think the next day, put up pictures on their website, which is quite similar to the mutants in the north curve of the Celtic fans, put up close-ups of unblanked out police officers' faces outside the ground. And they also had a picture of one of the banners that were going to fly, which was Ross Wilson, director of failure. So Dave, there's a lot to kind of digest in that one there, and you're going to be on one side or the other. And to me, 
the Union Bears have scored a massive own goal with this one there for not being open and upfront about this in the first place. The banner that they've displayed and they've ultimately claimed this was legitimate banner, the Ross Wilson banner, that was fine because mm-hmm. yep. it wasn't offensive, it wasn't personal, it was basically criticising his, yes. you know, his work. There is no issues with that whatsoever. No. And I don't think anybody would have issues with that. The whole ACAB thing, the whole police officer thing, what the fucking point is that? It is really not helping your cause whatsoever. Yes, you can be upset with the way fans groups get treated. There is an issue with that, as I've highlighted just previously with there with the draconian restrictions. However, when you do childish stuff like that, it really doesn't help your cause. And then, I mean, to the fact that you're putting up pictures of police officers without their face blanked out, it's quite ironic considering the Union Bears. They wear balaclavas, they put, they blank out their faces on their pictures. I mean, this kind of petty, self-indulgent, self-entitled thing, they have a history of doing this kind of childish behaviour. What is the point? What does it get them? Derek, the whole thing with the police, and, you know, there's so much, thousands of police officers that are actually in the stands every week supporting the club. But it's, I mean, I just think that's ridiculous to start off with the whole thing with, with, with the police have, have, having their their faces are unblanked that doesn't it? i mean you know you see p- p- police officers getting filmed on a daily basis by p- people with cameras i don't think they'll be that fussed about st- stuff like that but the actual banner themselves if that was the banner that they were going to be flying it just really slaps in the face a lot of the supporters out there who are police officers, and, and there are a lot, Derek. I mean, I used to sit, sit next to two guys that, 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 that were cops, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one actually in the stands But when I had my season ticket. So I think they need to realise that there are a lot of the fan base that are p- police officers, and, you know, it doesn't look good for that. I don't know what, it's you know, they think it's going to achieve either, because at the end of the day, any decisions that are made are made by the, the government for, for the police to act on. I just think it's really stupid that, that they do that. Going back to the other banner, you know, that's fine. You know, fans are allowed to protest against how the way the, the, the club is being run. I think we've all had our concerns over Ross Wilson as well, where, you know, some of the decisions that have been made, especially player recruitment. So, as you said, you know, that's fine, but bring these things in. But the bounty and all these stupid banners would, would, would get taken down, Derek. So absolutely no point in it. I just thought we go on about the, the Union Bears, Derek, and we spoke about it constantly, the pros and cons. I think they're a huge boost inside the stadium on match days. I, I, I really do. But, you know, the political stuff really does my head in. Keep it about the football team. Keep it about the way, you know, that what's good and what's bad about what's happening with the team. Nothing else. Leave politics and everything completely out of it, out of it, because it really does nothing for me. And I'm sure I've heard a lot of other fans as well also saying exactly the same thing. Just keep it about the team, for God's sake. I mean, ultimately, they've got that offensive banner taken off them. So if they're claiming that it was all about the Ross Wilson banner, well, take that at the next home game. And if it gets confiscated and you're not allowed to do it, then you know 
that was the banner that was causing the issue as well then. Then, yeah, absolutely, you've got an issue there. And the, the, I think the club have got an issue if that is really is the case. So as for the cupboard as well inside Ibrox, I mean, some were claiming that it was shocking and bang out of order that Rangers and the police went into it to take the Union Bears property. I mean, for a start, the cupboard is on Rangers property. Rangers are well within their rights to confiscate anything in there. So it's not technically Union Bears property that was in there. As you're going, going on about Union Bears and what the good they can do, they do some fantastic stuff. Yep. The TFOs, the noise they make as well. Yes, Ibrox can be like a morgue, but Ibrox can also be like a morgue sometimes when they're in there as well. I have to question, why do they go to games if they're going to just walk out as well, Dave? I mean, if you're not there to support the team and watch the football, are you there really just there to make a noise? Is that your reason d'etre for being there then? I, I don't know. I don't know either, Derek. I, I know that a, a, a lot of the guys are much younger than what I am. I don't think I could go and stand and jump about and make the noise that they they do constantly on a you know during a game like like we've said, which is fantastic. But again, I also wouldn't be one for for going and, and making any protests that weren't weren't against the club directly. I just I, I don't think there's any need for it whatsoever in f- football. Like I said, I'm all for protests with regards to the way the club's being run if things aren't going right. But everything else, I think there's a time and a place for that. And it's certainly nothing to do with with Ibrox, I'm afraid. No, I just think they really need to start being careful about this because they pretty much claim that they speak for the whole of Ibrox and they really don't. They don't speak for everyone. They speak for a a small number of people there. So they're, they're playing a very dangerous game with that one there. And as I've said before, if they want the club to be on their side to get influence things like getting their seats moved to more central position and safe standing, they're not going about it the right way. Anyway, next thing on the agenda here is Hamza Youssef was asked if he regrets his controversial tweets about Rangers players and the doctor video made by Willy Wanker. He says he doesn't <laughs> and he justifies it by saying that in the tweet he said, if, and I stress if. So... I mean, he was Justice Minister at the time. He, he should know how this works. He shouldn't have said anything. And he's never, ever said anything about Celtic or their fans, despite having ample opportunity to do so. During the George Square celebrations as well, he was one of a number of MSPs to criticise the police and their apparent lack of action when it came to the celebrations, which were all in good spirits up until a certain point. He's an absolute joke of a man, a failure. I can't believe he may become the First Minister, never mind having the temerity to put himself forward to be First Minister in the first place. For the fact that he can still come out and say, yes, I believe that was the right thing to say as Justice Minister, he's an absolute farce of a man. The man is a complete and utter buffoon, Derek. You've said it there exactly. You know that I'm not into politics, Derek. I can only go on his past record. He has been a complete and utter failure at every single position that he has done. Everything that he has touched, he has put back by years and years and years. You know, everything he's touched has went to shite. We've all seen the pictures of him with his Celtic hoodie on and all that. And I thought that I could maybe uh, see past that going that the comments that he's done he, he basically tries to do everything he can to put any blame at anything at all on to our support and as you say the fact that he is even in the running 
to be the new First Minister. God help us all. That's all I can say, because if he does manage to get in, I really, really dread to think the state that this country is going to be in, and it's already in a hell of a state, but surely if he was to go in and, and charge Derek, it would be a hell of a lot worse. It's just, it's not even worth thinking about it at this stage. It really isn't. And there was us saying we're only going to talk about politics as well. Dave. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't usually, Derek, but that man is clear to anybody to see as a complete and utter failure at everything he's done when he's been in the Scottish government. So I really, really fear if he was to get in power. I really do. Yeah. Anyway, the next story here, a rather strange one. Namdi Offaboy, remember him, Dave? Yes. And since deleted Instagram posts, two <sighs> he's put up a couple of pictures of him in a hospital bed, two years, two operations, hundreds of appointments. And then he's put on a separate one, silent on the situation, so I look like the bad guy. All the mistreatment over the last two years will come out. Now, some wild assumptions about how he was directing that, whether he was directing it at the club, how our medical team were shocking, and, and even one post I've seen that were actually saying that, you know, it's shocking if the club have went, went against specialist advice. I mean, as I said in our last pod, our medical issues absolutely need an inquest at the end of the season because football and injuries have been ridiculous. But this is not a football and issue, this one. The guy's got a heart condition. As soon as the issue was found out, specialists would have taken over. And if you think for one minute we would have interfered with anything to do with this, anything to do with the specialist treatment of this, then I think you're letting your frustrations over our issues this season cloud your reasoning because there is absolutely no way Rangers would have been involved in any heart operations or anything like that. Derek, it's duty of care more than anything else. We saw what happened with Christian Eriksson. I would like to think the fact you know that Rangers were taking all you know the specialist advice which they would have I mean quite rightly you've just said there how on earth would Rangers pass out any type of advice to someone that's got a heart condition that you know could potentially kill him if he was going to play, it's, it's it's absolutely incredible. It's going to be very interesting if he does come out and say what has happened over the last two two years. I found it strange as well, Derek, to see the picture that he posted was him in a pair of uh, Bournemouth shots as well. <laughs> so I don't know how old that was. That was a, a theory that got th- thrown out there. But just a complete bizarre set of events that he's put off there. And it's certainly got everybody talking but as you say, we can't really comment until we know the full extent of what has happened. But Rangers would, just like you said, would have acted on whatever advice that they've taken for medical specialists out there. So I just, it's a bizarre one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the only way that Rangers would have been involved in the house has happened in the past where Rangers have referred a player to a specialist, like say for a knee injury or something like that, and the specialist is fucked up. Well, again, that's nothing to do with Rangers. If you're, if this guy is a specialist in his field, he's not just somebody we've, we've taken off the street and said he's a specialist, is it? So, yeah. uh, hi, as you said, it'll be interesting to see what comes out. Now, as I said, yep. he's deleted them. There was speculation if he was following the Rangers team and all that. So I don't know what the hell's happening there, but we'll wait and see. So another question that kind of got asked on Twitter, not directly to us, but somebody just put it out there and says, do you think that the sale of Bassey to Ajax has kept Wilson in a job? Now, I never replied to it, but it got me thinking, Dave, how about we turn it round and we say Bassey's the reason why Wilson is actually under pressure? 
Because who's to say Bassey wasn't going to go on to be the linchpin of our defence that prevented us losing all our goals that we've done and resulted us being a nine points behind? People are saying, yeah, it was great that he got sold for 16 million, 19 million, whatever it was. Maybe that's been our undoing because had he stayed, we might have won the league, we might have been in the cup, we might have done a lot better in Europe, we might have got third place in Europe for all we know. It might have, it might have effectively made that money. So I don't think you can answer either question but it's just another way of looking at things. Certainly an, an interesting way to put it, Derek. don't know. It's a, it's a, a very hyp- hypothetical there. I am still on the the side of, I think we could have be, the, we could be doing a lot better with the signings that we've uh, we've made. I, I don't think it's to do with the, the selling of players. I think it's more to do with the player recruitment more than anything else that everybody's pissed off about, especially the signings that have you know have, have, have came in recently. You, you mentioned them there, the likes of Matondo. It's been a a total failure for, for us, and we spent you know relatively a, you, you know a, a lot of money for us considering the position that we're in. So, uh, but as you say, it's a different way of, of looking at it. I don't think vast majority of the fans will see it that way. No. I think consensus is that he has been more of a failure than a success. I certainly, like I say, I've got my concerns about him, but, you know, each to their own. Yes. Next thing here, Robbie McCrory has been back in training. I mean, so bad as our injury issues, I didn't even know he was injured, Dave. <laughs> Neither did I, Derek, to be perfectly honest with you. Considering the goalkeeping situation for next season, we're not expecting McGregor to be there and maybe McLaughlin not to be there either. Uh, so is this mean as McCrory finally going to get his chance? I don't know, but hopefully he will stay fit and he'll be fighting for the first team for next season. So the last piece of football news here is I've got former Rangers fans favourite Peter Hustra has went from managing a team in Uzbekistan last season and he's now been appointed manager of Borneo Samadira who sit fourth in the Indonesian top flight. Fantastic, well done. <laughs> he, 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 I mean, he was the first player I knew, knew of to go to Japan, so he always likes these weird and wonderful places, doesn't he? Exactly, yep, yeah, and yeah. getting get to see the world while he's there, I'm sure it'll be a lot nicer weather than it has here, Derek. Yes, so good luck to him there. Yes. So, guy goes to Mexico to kill himself, spends a week doing coke and banging hookers, and he decides to keep on living. <laughs> What other reason would you want to do exactly. that for? The end. <laughs> $2,000 dollars spent on a trip to Mexico, a cab ride, a seedy hotel room, excessive amounts of cocaine and a hooker orgies legitimately saved a man's life. This might be the first time anyone said that. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like a start of a great film, Dave. It certainly does, eh? It certainly does. <laughs> Right enough. I, I, I don't know, Derek. Some of the films that you watch maybe go a wee bit sour for that point. <laughs> Amidst a battle of debilitating and depression, he travelled to Mexico to purchase chemicals to humanely end his life. The aptly named Reddit user, please send help, shares his story involving ripping lines of coke off hookers' tits, battling whiskey coke dick with Viagra, multiple threesomes, and of course, his will to finally live. 
So he's went on to say, went to Mexico to buy barbiturates for a humane and peaceful death. Decided that if I was going to die anyway, I might as well fuck a prostitute before it was all over. After that, the cab driver offered to sell me cocaine. One thing led to another. I got a room above a whorehouse equipped with a heart-shaped bed, a stripper pole and a hot tub. Spent a full week snorting coke off tits, popping pain meds, <laughs> drinking tequila, eating handfuls of Viagra to fight off whiskey coke dick and had three female-female-male threesomes. Some in the midst of my coke fueled orgy I decided life wasn't so bad after all (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god there you go Derek see a feel good story for the end of the podcast yes So obviously not wanting to make light of a, a obviously a guy's desperate situation there, but there is light at the end of every tunnel. So is, yes. I'm not going to tell you to go to Mexico and do what he done though. No, well you know, but maybe Derek, maybe that that's the 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 source of a lot of people's uh, you know problems, and then that's the 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 result at the end. You know, you, you never know. Well, I'm just worried that uh, I'm going to do a Gary Lineker and get cancelled. So. Do you think so? Well, maybe. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope you're not expecting me to stand in solidarity with you, mate. No, you'll, you'll, bloody, <laughs> you'll be the one cancelling me. The, the, the one thing got gone on that, Derek, is how the hell can we not get Michael Stewart muted off oh, his protein? Do you know what I mean? The, the, that'll never happen. No, we're not that lucky. No, definitely not. So on that cheery note, we will yes. end the podcast. So a very quick podcast from us this week. Uh, that's what happens. You go only a week doing doing a podcast. Yeah, no, that's it. And everything covered, Derek. We're, hopefully we've been saying for a while that we've been trying to get the podcast out at least once a week now. So here's hoping that we can keep that going because there is a lot of games coming up, isn't there? And I'll be going on holiday soon as well. So oh, right. There's a surprise, Dave. <laughs> So, thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. In the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester Glacier.